Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, our guest is Steve D'Antonio, who um, many of you are probably familiar with. He is, of course, a foremost expert on marine systems. And we'll be talking today about why you should not go easy on a diesel engine. But before we jump into that topic, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, United Yacht Sales of the Carolinas, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses, and of course, because they support loopers. All right, Steve, thank you for joining us. Welcome to Great Loop Radio. Uh, thanks for having me, Kim. I'm happy to be here. Well, we definitely appreciate your time. Um, we got some uh, questions and, and some interest in an article of yours that one of our members posted a link to this week. So I thought it was a great topic to put on Great Loop Radio this week. Um, but let's start for those listeners who maybe are not already familiar with you. Tell us about yourself and what you do. Uh, sure, Kim. Uh, sort of uh, the, the brief version is uh, I've been in the marine industry for uh, going on 30 years now. I started out as a marine mechanic and an electrician and did that for uh, six or seven years and then graduated to uh, managing uh, boat yards and uh, a custom boat building shop. And then about uh, 10 years ago, I, I left that, uh, that position and started the consulting business. Uh, I started that business to help folks who were uh, buying boats or having them built uh, uh, to help them avoid the problems that I was seeing uh, in the boatyard uh, when running that business. Uh, my goal uh, when I ran the boatyard was to you know, be the person who could fix the problems. When I started the consulting business, I wanted to become the person who could help them avoid those problems. Uh, I like to think I've made uh, somewhat of an impact in the industry in doing that and, uh, and I continue to do that to this day. So do you typically um, come in early in the boat buying process for your clients? Uh, that's a good question. So if uh, given my druthers, uh, what I'd like to be able to do with, a, with sort of the perfect client would be to have them contact me uh, before they put an offer in on a boat or before they decide to have a boat built uh, so we can talk about the, uh, the details and the builder and uh, the protocol or the best way to do that uh, without having problems. And then I would work with them through that process. Uh, again, if it was a new boat, I would uh, I would review the specifications and make suggestions about changes in equipment and uh, and uh, systems design, uh, and inspect that boat while it's being built several times at the builder's facility, wherever that may be, uh, and then do a, a final inspection on the boat before the the, the client or the buyer takes possession of it. For used boats, uh, it's a, a similar process. Uh, again, a discussion before a, an offer is made, and then uh, I would do a, a very thorough inspection on that boat. It typically takes two days, and, uh, and that includes a sea trial and a haul. Uh, it's different than a survey. I'm not a surveyor, and, and don't wish to be one. I don't. Uh, I don't do what they do. They they do. They offer a different service. So I'm looking at a boat more through the eyes of a boat builder. Than a surveyor per se, so I'm looking at different things than they are, and when I complete that inspection, I then generate a, a very detailed, uh, prioritized, heavily photo-documented report 
that the buyer can use uh, in, the, in the purchase process. Great. Well, definitely a very much needed service among loopers as they're looking for their perfect boat for the Great Loop. Today, we want to focus primarily on diesel engines and why you should not go easy on your diesel. So um, let's start with talking about um, what it is about the design of a diesel engine, how it works, that creates the need for you to run it, um, you know, at pretty close to full load. Yeah. Okay. So, uh you know, diesel engines differ from uh, an automobile or gasoline engine in that uh, the, the combustion process in a diesel engine relies on compression rather than a spark plug or ignition, and uh, so they're built differently. Uh, and many boat owners uh, will notice that if they start up their diesel engine and just sort of let idle at the dock, that the temperature gauge, the, which is measuring the temperature of the coolant, uh, doesn't really move very much until they put a load on the engine. The engine sort of uh, runs rather cool until you get underway and you start asking it to do work. Whereas with a gasoline engine, again, an automobile, if you start it in your driveway and, and let it sit there and run for five or ten minutes, when you come out to the car, the temperature gauge is sort of in the middle or the normal zone. And, and that is a distinct uh, difference between the way the two uh, engines work. So by that same token, if you run your engine where you're putting very little load on it, your diesel engine, so you're sort of idling along, it tends to run rather cool. Uh, eventually, the coolant temperature will come up to a normal operating range by virtue of the fact that it has a thermostat. So that thermostat essentially stays closed or mostly closed, impeding the flow of coolant and allowing the engine to warm up until it reaches that temperature, and then that thermostat begins to open, and it maintains that temperature. But importantly, that temperature gauge is only measuring the temperature of the coolant, which, again, is thermostatically controlled. It's not measuring the temperature of the oil, and it's not measuring the temperature of the exhaust gases themselves. Those two, when an engine, when a diesel engine is lightly loaded, tend to stay comparatively cool. So the oil, for instance, uh, again, on an idling diesel engine or a very lightly loaded diesel engine may run in the 160-degree range, which sounds hot, but, but in the world of oil, it's not. And the exhaust gases may be you know, as low as 350, 400 degrees, uh, whereas uh, a fully loaded diesel, diesel can have exhaust gases that are in the 800, 900, or even 1,000 degree Fahrenheit range. So we definitely want to be running the diesel at a higher load. Um, what can happen if we're not doing that? We know that loopers tend to travel um, at slower speeds. So over an extended period of time, what's going to happen to that diesel engine if it's under consistently light loads? Right. So so when it's running lightly loaded, and the, the, let's start with the oil, for instance. So the oil's running at a comparatively cool temperature. A couple of things happen. One is the, the condensation that is naturally generated inside of an engine when it's running from a process called blow-by, uh, which is uh, the, the combustion gases, some of them slip by the piston rings and end up in the crankcase, which is where the oil is stored. Uh, a, lot of that, a lot of those gases include uh, moisture, essentially water. That's part of the combustion process. So we end up with, uh, with uh, condensation or moisture inside the crankcase that doesn't really get burned off or, or heat enough to dissipate the engine is running uh, cool. Uh, so moisture is bad because it, it mixes with the oil and, uh, and causes a degradation of the oil. And additionally, when you run an uh, engine uh, in that state and the oil is running cold, the oil develops uh, what's called sludge, essentially, which is very much what it sounds like. It's a, a, 
a byproduct uh, of the oil being exposed to those combustion uh, byproducts. So it's being contaminated. And when the oil is cold, those contaminants tend to not stay in suspension. They settle out, so they land on horizontal surfaces inside the engine, and they sort of look like grease. And so in some cases, you can open the, uh, the fill cap on the top of the valve cover of a diesel engine, and you'll find sort of a greasy, uh, uh, like mayonnaise-type consistency accumulation inside that cap. That's a sign that the engine has been run lightly loaded on a chronic basis. And by itself, that sludge is, well, it's not good to have that floating around the engine or around the crankcase. Eventually, it will harden into what we call varnish, which, again, is very much what it sounds like, sort of a plastic-like consistency. Now we end uh, a component that could end up clogging small oil passages, and we could starve uh, oil flow or starve bearings rather of uh, oil flow. Clearly, uh, something we don't want to have, and uh, and it is almost entirely the result of running an engine at light load because none of these uh, uh, byproducts are generated when the engine is running at a higher temperature. The goal is is have oil running. Uh, ideally somewhere above 180 degrees and preferably at, at about 200 degrees Fahrenheit and, uh, and uh, be somewhere between that and 220 degrees is considered an ideal because it minimizes the formation of these uh, these byproducts. So you, you started this question by saying, you know, what do we do to prevent this? I'm, I'm fully aware of the fact that you know, boats come with the engines that they have, and I don't expect people to start, you know, running boats at planing speeds that they normally don't run them at or uh, running a displacement vessel at a speed higher than it really needs to run. It simply consumes more fuel, and, and uh, it's not a pleasant way to run the boat. So knowing and understanding that, uh, ideally what I would say is uh, the, the boat should be powered with an engine that's appropriate for its displacement and how it's going to be run, but that frequently doesn't happen. So if you end up with a situation where the, the boat is essentially overpowered, and that's often the case, and for a planing vessel, if we're running it at displacement speeds, we need to have that horsepower at our planing speeds when we choose to do so. So that's unavoidable. So the, really the next best thing is to periodically run those boats up to a higher load or higher speed so that uh, they are, uh, the engines are running at a higher temperature, or the oil rather, and the uh, exhaust gases are at a higher temperature um, for some period of time throughout the cruising day. So my protocol, the one I've developed uh, over the course of uh, several years, is to, for every four hours of running time, run the engine up to a higher load for 10 to 15 minutes of that uh, operating time. Uh, and how much load does that have to be? That's a question that folks often ask. And if your uh, engine is not equipped with a load meter, essentially, newer electronically controlled engines include a gauge or a readout on a digital display that gives you a percentage of load. Uh, if you have that, then uh, somewhere near the 75, 70, or 75% load range will usually get us what we want. It'll get the exhaust gas temperatures up above 400 or 450 or 500 degrees Fahrenheit, and it'll look at the oil in the 180 to 200 degree range. If you don't have that meter, then what I suggest is uh, running it at somewhere, 
certainly you don't need to go to wide open throttle. So if you run it at something under that, and then using a, an infrared pyrometer, which are you know, today pretty common, relatively inexpensive, and easy to use, walk down to the engine and shoot the, the oil pan or the oil filter and check the temperature of the oil. And if you're above 180 degrees, you're probably doing the right thing. You're putting the kind of load on that engine that it needs to have uh, to avoid these, these problems. So that, that figure is not a hard and fast number. You really need to put enough load on the engine to get the oil warm, and, and, and additionally, that will be creating higher exhaust gas temperatures. And, and on the subject of exhaust gas, let me just finish that thought. Yeah. Um, one of the, the issues that happens with exhaust gases is when the engine is lightly loaded, the combustion efficiency is, is not quite as good because it's colder. And that typically generates a soot uh, formulation uh, inside the, the cylinder uh, in the turbocharger if the engine is equipped with a turbocharger and on the exhaust valves. So that affects the efficiency of the engine. It also clogs the piston rings and can increase the likelihood of blow-by, so we have sort of a, a snowball effect. We have more of these blow-by gases going into the crankcase. Um, and in extreme cases, it can lead to something called cylinder glazing, uh, where the, the walls of the cylinders the, through, through which the pistons move uh, become polished to sort of a mirror-like finish. When, they're, when the engine is built, uh, the cylinder walls have what's called a crosshatch pattern in them, sort of a a scratched surface, which is intentional, that holds oil and allows those piston rings to be lubricated. If you smooth that out to a very uh, highly polished finish, it can no longer hold oil, and you end up with uh, ring wear and uh, additional blow-by. So, uh, you know, all of these uh, processes are happening. It's relatively slow. It happens over a very long period of time. It's not something you would do to an engine in the course of uh, days or weeks or even months, but it's more of a years type of thing. And it doesn't happen to every engine. It's not a sort of hard and fast rule where if you do this, you're going to end up with these problems. I've seen some engines that run lightly loaded for years and seemingly have very little side effect, and others that are a couple of years old but have been chronically run <clears throat> at light loads uh, that, that suffer from the consequences. And in extreme cases, uh, they can end up with really uh, significant blow-by crankcase pressures. You start to leak oil out of seals and, and valve cover gaskets and things of that sort. But uh, I can't, I've never been able to, you know, put my finger on why some engines do it and some don't. Sailboat engines are notorious for being lightly loaded because sailors run them only to charge batteries or run a refrigeration system. And, uh, and uh, many of those suffer from these consequences. Uh, some trawler engines, you know, they run at 25 or 35% load for much of their lives, and some of those don't suffer from this. Again, I'm not sure why it has to do with engine design and, and uh, operating conditions, uh, but it's it's not a necessarily a given. Uh, and it does happen to generators as well as engines. Uh, on larger yachts, uh, we equip generators with something called a load bank, which is an artificial load that nothing more than generate heat, which we dump into the ocean. It's completely wasted, but it is simply to put a load on a generator <clears throat> that would otherwise be running very lightly loaded and would thereby suffer from these uh, Ill, Ill effects. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Steve, let's take a break for a moment and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about um, what to do if you have been running your engine with a very light load over an extended period of time. So we'll be back in just a moment. What makes Pantaneous America's yacht insurance special? Pantaneous America provides coverage and flexibility without any hidden or implied warranties. Licensed in all 50 states, Pantaneous America offers unparalleled service to our international network of offices. Pantaneous America allows for extremely liberal navigational limits. Pantaneous America's experienced worldwide claim staff is there for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. With no deductible for fire, lightning, and total loss claims, Pantaneous America is always by your side. Call or visit us today and ask about our special offers for Great Loop Cruisers, 914-381-2066. Pantaneous America is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Our guest today is Steve D'Antonio. He is a marine consultant. He's an expert in marine systems. And today we're talking about some of the things that can go wrong with your diesel engine if you're going too easy on it and running it at too light of a load for a long time. So, Steve, we've talked about some of the things that can happen to the engine under those conditions. Um, If there are loopers out there listening who perhaps have been using their boat for a while um, at pretty slow speeds doing the loop and didn't know about this before, um, should they be worried? And how can they check to see if um, these types of issues are starting to happen to their engine? Okay, all all very good questions, Kim. I would say that invariably when this subject comes up, um, a lot of boat owners will say, well, gee, I've been doing this for years and it's never been a problem. And I sort of have two answers to that. One is, you know, there's the, the sort of the initial response, which is to say, well, if it's been working for you, keep doing it. Uh, but the other is to say many of these issues are insidious and you really don't know that they're occurring until it becomes more of a serious problem. So I would never discourage anybody from periodically running the engine up to a higher load in order to offset or reverse some of these effects. I don't think any engine manufacturer in the world would ever discourage that, and nor would uh, folks who, who have had experience with this problem. So that, I would say, is sort of a given. If you haven't been once in a while running your engine up on the protocol that I mentioned earlier, I think that's a good idea to do that. Uh, it also does another thing, and I've had a lot of uh, readers and clients report this, and they said, oh, I've started doing this, Steve. Uh, running the engine up periodically, and guess what I found? It overheated. And, uh, and I say, well, that that means that you had a defect in the cooling system that you weren't aware of, and when you needed that extra power in an emergency, perhaps, the engine would have overheated. So it's not a bad idea to do this for other reasons as well. It will reveal uh, other you know potential problems that are lying in wait uh, until you run the engine at a higher load. Um, it, what you can do to check for, to see if you, you are suffering from the, or your engine is suffering from the effects of chronic light loading is, as I mentioned earlier, take the, the cap off the oil film, and if there's a greasy, you know, buildup there, it should be nothing but oil. So if you run your finger over it and kind of run that between your fingers, the only residue should be oil. It'll be black probably, but that's fine. But if, it, if it's a, a consistency of, again, ketchup or mayonnaise, and it sort of stays stuck on your fingers, and that's an indication that the engine is generating sludge, and, and it's not a good thing. And, and there again, uh, more reason to run it harder uh, more frequently. The other effect is, as I mentioned a couple of times, something called blow-by, and essentially that pressurizes the crankcase. And, and so if you take the 
uh, oil fill cap off while the engine is running, and you get you have a, a consistent whoosh of air coming out of that uh, oil fill cap. That's telling you that the blow by is probably higher than it, sh it, it should be. It can be measured with a tool called a manometer that a mechanic can hook up to the engine. And I would say if you suspect that it's happened, uh, then that test might not be a bad idea. Fortunately, there's no fix to that other than a pretty significant teardown of the engine and uh, replacement of parts. So it might not do very much good to know that it's happening. Uh, you might be able to reverse some of that with periodic heavy loading but probably not. So the best, uh, the best cure here, I would say, is prevention, and that's to periodically run the engine at a higher load. And Steve, tell us the protocol again that you have figured out over the years about how frequently to do the higher load. Right, so that, that would be for roughly every four hours of light-loaded engine running time. Uh, for 10 or 15 minutes, run it up to a higher load. And again, it doesn't have to be full throttle. Uh, something beneath that, if it's an that includes a, a load meter, somewhere around 65 or 75 percent usually gets us what we need. Uh, measure the oil temperature with a pyrometer. If it's above 180, then you're probably in the right spot. Um, don't want to do this at the right before you shut the engine down. Uh, usually, with docking or t the time that it takes to anchor, that doesn't happen. But it's worth mentioning that you wouldn't want to run it heavily loaded and immediately shut down. Uh, but uh, but again, after four hours of, of light loaded running time, 10 to 15 minutes of a higher load uh, can, can help with this scenario. All right, perfect. Steve, how can people reach you if they're looking for more information on this topic or on your services? It's a subject that I've written about on many occasions, so there are a variety of articles uh, out there, uh, many of which are on my website, and that is uh, www.stevedmarine.com. Uh, that uh, website also includes hundreds of other articles and instructional videos uh, that are available to anyone who visits the site. And if uh, folks have more questions uh, or are interested in consulting work, they can, they can email me. There's an email link on that website, but it's info at stevedmarine.com. All right, Steve D'Antonio, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you sharing your time and your knowledge with us today. Thanks, Kim. I've enjoyed yep. it. Oh, we'd love to have you back another time. Uh, that is it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>